0: This is The Future of Finance by Motive Labs.
1: Hello, and welcome again to The Future of Finance, the podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. My name is Bernard Mathuman. I'm a client partner for Motive Labs. And uh, my pleasure today to interview Neeraj Markin, who is from Emirates NBD. Niraj is representing our newest member in the Motive Labs Banking and Payment Syndicate. So welcome on board and welcome to London. Thank you. So I think as people just getting to know you and a little bit about the bank, would you mind just telling us something about Emirates and the background?
0: We're one of the largest banks in the Middle East. Number three now because number two and number three banks in a market merged together and they became bigger than us. We were formed by a merger of two banks ourselves about 11 years ago, 2007. We are present in quite a few countries in the Middle East. We have 70 branches in Egypt. We've got four branches in Saudi, three of them just opening this year. We recently opened our maiden branch in India, and uh, we've got a branch in London, in Singapore, and we've got rep offices around in Beijing, Jakarta. quite
1: That's- a footprint, isn't it? And in the banking world of today, it's quite unusual hearing a story of a bank reaching out
0: geographically quite like you are. What's driving the bank to do that? Look, when the bank was formed in 2007 with the merger of two banks, which is Emirates and NBD, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed had a dream that he wanted to, to create a regional banking champion Allah like Emirates the airline. Mm. And that's what was the idea to kind of go ahead. Unfortunately, we ran into the financial crisis and Dubai zone crisis in 2008 and 2009, which set us back by a few years. But back in 2011, 2012, we again kind of embarked on a process of, okay, let's restart. We started off by acquiring in Egypt, we opened the rep offices in Beijing and Jakarta, and we started looking at much more different markets altogether. So today we have a strategy which we call the Minatsa strategy. We've kind of identified that there are four or five very key markets where we want to be present in, which will make us a true champion. One is Saudi Arabia, that is one of the largest markets in the GCC region. We've got four branches there our target is to kind of go down to about 20 branches in that country. And we would be pretty open to kind of buy a bank if we would get an opportunity to. Second is Egypt, which is again, one of the largest markets in terms of population size, 85 million people. We bought BNP Paribas out there in 2012, 2013. We've got about 70 branches out there and we plan to grow there organically. There again, our target is to be among the top five private banks there. Other important markets for us are Turkey, that's been identified, and other North African markets. So basically, when I say Manatsa, we say Middle East, North Africa, Turkey, Mm. and South Asia. In South Asia, India, obviously, a natural choice. Dubai, per se, or UAE, per se, has a huge subcontinent population. I think Indians constitute about 40 to 45% of population of Dubai. It's a very natural market. So we've opened a maiden branch out there. We've had a rep office there for 15 years. And again, in India, our target is that in the next five years, we should have at least five branches. All in all, we're kind of looking to kind of expand. Now, one country which I'll still go ahead and name is Iran. Iran is a country which is right next to us. But of course, due to sanctions and all, we do not have anything to do with it. But if that situation sorts out, I think Iran is one market where we would probably... Right on your doorstep, yeah. Yes.
1: These are really sizable markets. And something I know of those emerging markets is the predominance of the mobile phone. You talked about that gap between sort of 2000 and then restarting this mm. initiative in 2012. Mm. But the market's changed quite significantly in that time, hasn't it? How do you see the influence of the mobile phone and,
0: and digital economy in, in your part of the world? A very strong influence, a very mm. strong. So UAE per se has a very, very high penetration of smartphones. Mm. And same goes with Saudi. And to some extent, we've seen the data which is coming out from Egypt also, that there is a high penetration of mobile phones, which are converting to smartphones very fast in Egypt also, which are some of the core markets. Coming down to digital. So digital is something which we identified pretty soon. I think back again in around 2012, 2013, as we came out of the crisis, we realized that we need to be different to kind of grow. And we started investing in digital. I think initially we started from the retail side, the front end, what can we do, you know, kind of coming out with an app and all and everything. But by 2015, we realized that, okay, that's not going to take us. We need to kind of revisit. So as part of the strategy, you know, we had an ex site and we decided that, look, we need to kind of have a holistic approach and we need to kind of take the bank further down. Around 2014, what happened, we had a new CEO. He came in and he kind of put the mantra for us as "digitize or die." Right. So that was something which kind of got ingrained in the culture of the organization, and we kept on moving from 2015 onwards. I think we've been making inroads into every aspect of the digitization in a banking. So not only the front end, the back end, analytics, and all and everything. We are today considered one of the most digitally advanced banks in the region. And our mantra is that we don't want to be recognized as the most digitally advanced bank in the region. We want to be known as one of the most digitally advanced banks around the world. And in fact, one of the other things which we set as a goal for ourselves to be recognized as one of the most digitally advanced companies irrespective of industry sector in the Middle East and North Africa region. And we're striving for that. As a result, we are completely overhauling our IT architecture. We last year announced about investing nearly $300 million to kind of redo our complete IT architecture, getting new people in, we're setting up uh, different structures, going completely agile. So our whole IT system is kind of moving from the previous waterfall To sort of a two-speed IT architecture we've kind of already moved on to set up agile teams and all that stuff and as part of that process also we decided that we need to engage with fintechs more to understand so that best-in-class talent and best-in-class opportunities come to us and that led to our engagement with motive partners and motive labs so that was again a step in the right direction
1: it's it's a really exciting and, and inspiring story i think you know because uh the rate of change that you've gone through as an institution in the last four or five years is truly quite phenomenal, isn't it? Yep. So, looking at that fintech engagement. In terms of the Middle East at the moment, is there much going on that you need to take note of or do you see yourselves as a sort of subset of the globe
0: now and and that you have to understand what's going on everywhere? I think we need to understand what's going on everywhere. I think that's what Mm -hmm. we need to. So Middle East, yes, there is innovation happening. There is tribe, But we do get that there is still, I would say, a step behind some of the other regions. I would say that the hubs of innovation, especially on the technology side are still more towards the west and east of dubai so you've got singapore you've got india which is coming up on the east you look at germany uk and obviously us which is out there so Mm -hmm. to some extent and i we do see a lot happening from the Middle East perspective. The good part is that Middle East has lots of young population. Yeah, We have some good education, especially in places like Lebanon, in Egypt. UAE itself has got some good universities coming up. And you've got a lot of young population which is coming up. And from the government perspective, I think it's about having a million new coders out there. That's what they mm. want. A million new coders. That's what the target is for UAE. And the whole idea is that, okay, if we can bring people up from the universities and kind of take them to the I think Dubai has been very, very advanced and UAE has been very advanced from a government perspective also. So they have that smart government initiative, Dubai Smart Government. So they've been kind of trying to use the digital technologies to improve the services which the government offers to the population in a big way. Five years ago, I had stopped to pay my bill, uh, which could be in telephone bill or in electricity bill. I could do everything online or on my mobile phone. So the government itself has been taking uh, mm. very strong and very large strides to kind of make it. So uh, I think they are at the extreme end of developing smart cities, digital cities and all. And as you go into these new territories
1: and new countries that you're operating in, how do you find the regulatory environments in each one of
0: these? And, And is there sort of some recalibration going on? Yes, that is actually has been one of the biggest challenge, even within UAE to kind of get the regulators to agree on doing something. I think in UAE, we've been a bit more successful in working with the regulator to get certain things moving on from a financial perspective. Some of the other countries where we want to kind of go on, like Saudi and Egypt, which are our two bigger markets right now, I think there is a bit of a struggle to kind of get the regulators because they are still old school thought or something but I think so it's winds of change so we know that there are task forces which are already there with those regulators which are working through so I think so there's a sort of a learning curve which is happening out there I hope that if not in 12 18 months we will see probably more uh, alignment with the global side of what's happening with those regulators also as compared to what's said today you know like today in those markets we lack the sort of foresight we've seen with mass with Singapore or FCA out here put in the regulatory sandboxes and all and everything they want to try. I think that sort of steps which are still lacking out there. But I think it's on to us also as an industry to kind of work with the regulators, educate them that look, this is the way the model is moving and we need to be kind of in sync in tandem, which way the world is going. But it's, it's happening. I think we've been successful in working through that. It's a bit of a challenge, but I think it goes along as you travel in the journey.
1: Absolutely. Well, again, a very uh, inspiring story. Again, welcome to Motive Partners. We look forward to this journey together. And I think that clearly you're going to bring a lot to what we're doing already. And I'm sure there's plenty there for you to also learn from others in the industry. Yes,
0: there, there's still plenty to learn from the others. We've kind of made good strides and we are well recognized for that. We've won of quite a few awards, Most Innovative Bank, We've got some case studies on how our digital strategy and digital transformation has gone ahead. But I think it's not a time for us to kind of rest. We still have a long way to go. That's the way champions think, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time.
2: obligation to update amend or clarify the information in the podcast whether as a result of new information future events or otherwise any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry, the economy, motive partners, or motive partners' investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.